The Acts of the Apostles. This is episode 57 of the Bryce Harper Podcast. A good start envisions an end result. Thank you for joining in. This is um, some of my notes from a message I preached recently um, at Family Worship Center. And Acts chapter 3. This is like post-Pentecost, right? Post the outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, in the liturgical world. I think it's titled Ordinary Time. There is absolutely nothing ordinary about life post-Pentecost, about life spiritually post the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in such a just dynamite way. Um, Acts chapter 3 gives us this account of Peter and John going to the temple at 3 o'clock. Um, at, Peter and John are, are seen very, very often together. Um, they were actually the only two at Jairus's daughter's resurrection, the Christ uh, Christ Transfiguration, um, the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Peter and John were also found preparing the Passover meal uh, at the trial of Christ, uh, running to the empty tomb, serving together throughout the Book of Acts, um, and seven times throughout Acts, it's mentioned Peter and John were together. So, I guess my first point is we got to know who we're running with. We got to know who um, our friends are. We got to know that even those that we are close to, are they people of faith, um, a people of God's spirit, people of God's presence, people of prayer, people of devotion, commitment towards God? Who are the people we are running with? I guess that would be a question I would ask. And, and I think it's just kind of the first point of three, maybe four points I want to share on this podcast, this episode real quickly is, you know, Ecclesiastes tells us that two people are better off than one, for one can help the other succeed. And if one falls, the other one can help them out. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And so, um, and then it goes on even to say there in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So my first point in kind of looking at the book of Acts, uh, post-Pentecost, post, um, is um, who are our friends? Who are who? What what does our community look like? Who are the people we're spending time with? Are they people of faith? Are they people of prayer? Are they people that are pushing us towards uh, Almighty God? It's amazing to see here in Acts chapter three that they are going to prayer. Um, if you've been to Israel, I was there um, just over a year ago. Um, that trip has forever just changed my life. And it's interesting to see Judeo-Christian roots and to see Jewish culture and to experience that. Um, in the Jewish culture, it states that um, there are three times of prayer, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. In the Jewish culture, it states that Abraham instituted the first, Isaac the second, Jacob the third. I love this because it gives me this principle that prayer should increase from one generation to the next. It's not something that should diminish, nor should it be something that's just maintained or managed. But from one generation to the next, our spiritual vigor should multiply and increase from one generation to the next. So that would, so my first point would be looking at post, post-Pentecost, who, who are the people of prayer in our life? I think as a New Testament church, we need to identify that. 
be very intentional with that. Who are our friends of faith, people of prayer? Who, who are we belonging to? Who are we running with? Who are we doing life with? And, um, and then the second thing is prayer should compound. Prayer should, um, Apple Watch is talking to me, prayer should increase. Shouldn't just be maintained, shouldn't be just managed from one generation to the next, but it should increase from one generation to the next. I'll say as well, you know, as it pertains to prayer, I can say a lot of things, but we underestimate the power of prayer because we've never prayed until we have received power. We've never really prayed until we've seen something happen. And God is not here to be a part of our lives. He's here. We are here to be a part of his will for our lives. God's not here to be a part of our lives. We are here to be a part of his will for our lives. God's not the most important thing. He's the only thing is, is a philosophy maybe that I can kind of disorient you with on this episode is that he's not just the most important thing. He is the only thing. And we just need to be careful in our philosophy and our way of life, um, how we do things um, in our relationship with God. We... In our Western Christianity, if we're not careful, the way we compartmentalize our life, we, we will inadvertently compartmentalize our God. And, and that should never be the case. Um, God should not be just regulated to a Sunday uh, religious experience, uh, but something that we get to experience morning, evening, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening, just like these times of prayer, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. Uh, should, and it's interesting when you think about all this because prayer shouldn't be something that we do. It should be, it should be who we are. Um, these things that we see in the biblical narrative from Genesis to Revelation should not be just principles, should not just, just be systems that we put in our lives. All, those, those, all that's great, you know, to kind of create kind of systems of habits and things that are just healthy and, and good structure. Uh, but it, sh- it should be much more than just compartmentalizing and managing our lives. It just got it has to come back that this is who we are in Christ, in God. And that um, it's not just the most important thing out of all the things we do, but it is the only thing. Like everything comes from the Lord, His Word, His Spirit. Um, and yeah, and I, you know. Some other thoughts with all that as well as to just kind of share a few more points is, you know, we can say things like, man, we want a better life, but what we need are better habits. And so there's just, I think in thinking about this philosophically, there are some things that we need to address as far as the contrast between want and need. You know, we we want this, but what but what we need is this. You know, we want um, a better job, but what we need is to be a better employee, right? We we want um, better children, but we need to be better parents. We want um, a better marriage, but we need to be a better need to be a better spouse. We we have. Um, um, we want more money, um, but we need to be better stewards. And, you know, kind of on that point before we go, before we move on, prayer is, prayer 
as we see Peter and John going to prayer, is about getting in on what God is doing, not getting God in on what we're doing. We got to get on. We got to get in on what God's doing because what God's doing is going to be successful. What God is a part of is not going to fail. So we see Peter and John. Here they here they are. They're together. There's this establishment of relationship. There's this establishment of prayer, of spirituality, of pursuing God, the things of God. And as they approach the temple, there's a man there that was lame from birth. Um, the 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 Bible is very clear to show us here in Acts chapter three that the gate's beautiful. Um, we know that the gate was 31 feet high, 62 feet wide, made of solid brass. is a beautiful gate. Um, and so the third thing is, I, I, and there's a lame man there. So my third point is, you know, some of this is kind of troubling for me when I read things like this. Some of the things that come out in my mind, just to kind of let you know, kind of invite you into my mind as I'm reading God's word is my third point, and that is humanity places beauty in things made by man when divinity places beauty in mankind that was made in his image. And so a lot of times in this temporal life, we we place a lot of value and a lot of attention and a lot of affection towards things that are man-made. We should be giving attention and affection to things and, and, and humans, men and women who are made in the image of God. And if you're like me, when you read the biblical narrative and when you read the Bible and you read these stories, it's easy, like for instance in this story, to see myself as Peter, see myself as John, and to um, see an opportunity and, and to be encouraged and challenged to help somebody uh, in a time of need. Um, man, but here, here's this lame man. He's the Bible tells us he's been there for like 40 years. Um, never been able to been like this since he was born. Um, and man, for 40 years, he, he's gotten by, he's made a good living. I mean, if you've heard the stories of panhandlers making 40, 50, 60, 70, $80,000 a year, just begging, you kind of start wondering what am I doing with my life? You know, like what, what is wrong with me? Why am I working so hard and not making as much as a panhandler or somebody who is begging? For instance, this person who was not able to make a living unless doing this. And and so it was common in the culture, in the context of the situation for the lame beggar to be brought to the beautiful gate where religious people were coming through because during this time, religious people wanted to be seen giving to the poor and to the needy um, as just a sign of, um, I think it's a lot, of, a lot of ways of just virtue signaling and also just uh, in a lot of ways just showing everybody that they are righteous and, and are generous. Um, I'm sure Lane Beggar is, doesn't really care about whatever the motive is. He's just trying to get by, just trying to get through. I, I do find it amazing, though, during this culture that the Lane Beggar knew where to go to find people who were going to be generous. How much more should that be today for us as people who love God? That when people are in need, they know to go to us because they know we will be found generous. We'll be found doing something on the behalf of somebody um, that really can't do anything for themselves. 
And so Peter and John um, see the man and he asks him for money. It's amazing when you begin to think about how the rest of the story transpires. And too often in times we expect God to do what we want. And again, God is really in the business of doing the things that we need. And we want this, but God's going to do this because this is actually what we need. He's asking for money, but what he needs is to be able to walk. Like the old country board adage, like, you're hungry, I can give you some fish, or I can teach you how to fish. And this, so here he is begging, and, and of course, Peter looks at him and says, hey, I got He's expecting money from us. And Peter said, I don't have any money. I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. This was the very first in the name of Jesus um, miracle we see in Scripture. And I'm encouraged by this because I want to be like Peter and John. I don't want to give people what they want. I want to give people what they need. And as a pastor, I have to do that. I can't give what people want. Every every week, every every month, every year, people are asking, you know, this is what I want, but this is what you need. And, and that's how God deals with us. A lot of times, again, it's easy to see ourselves as Peter and John, but we should also see ourselves in this in this narrative, in this story, in this truth of just, am I the lame beggar? You know, like, are there, is there just areas of my life where I've just conceded to this thought that this is how it is? This is how it always will be. This is how I've ever, this is the only thing I've ever known. I don't know anything else. I'm just trying to get by. Like, can can we just be happy that I'm that I made it to the temple gate? You know that that's kind of like a miracle in itself. Like I got some help and I got here. But really, we should be expecting God to do what we need and not just what we want to get to get by. And when I look at this story and I think about Peter picking him up, I think about the fact that Peter was able to pick him up because Peter had been picked up. Uh, Peter had been picked up from uh, walking on the water. Peter had been picked up from his betrayal of Jesus. And for you and I to be able to pick somebody else up, we got to allow God to pick us up. The only way Peter is able to do what he did is because Jesus already did it for him. And man, too often we're trying to pick people up and we ain't never been picked up. We're trying to do something when God's never done it for us. And God's never done it in our lives. And I'm encouraged by this because I know... Even as I spent time as a juvenile counselor, I can only help my clients to the degree that I've been helped and that I've been trained and that I've been picked up and that I've been strengthened and empowered and equipped. I can only help to the degree that I've been helped. 
Like if I don't, like if I'm not strong, if I'm not healthy, if I'm not ready, I, I, you know, I'm not going to be able to strengthen and help them and equip them and empower them to give them some kind of hope, encouragement, tools to be able to move forward. It's amazing because this is one of these kind of miracles in the Bible that's immediate. Uh, we have 18 immediate miracles in the book of Luke. So here, the author is Luke. Luke is the author of his gospel, and he's also the author of Acts. So if you're reading the Bible, you read Luke, go right into reading Acts. It all really comes together very beautifully. And it's amazing when you, you see the connection of there's 18 immediate miracles in the book of Luke, and then, then we also have 18 immediate miracles in the, in the book of Acts. Um, but the beggar had a choice to make. You and I have a choice to make. I got to let go of a former way for me to get a hold of what God has for me today moving forward. I got to let go of a former lifestyle. I got to let go of this this way of getting by and, and getting income. And, and I, I have got to let go. Man, I ain't never worked a job. I mean, I'm, I, these are the kind of things I think about when I like this guy's like, man, if I get up and I start walking, then what? <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, like, yeah, I want to be able to walk, I want to be able to, I want to be able to run, I want to be able to do things. But the, the, there's a lot attached to this philosophically. Like, I've I've made a pretty good living. I I know what I'm doing. I know I know how to beg. I know how to panhandle. I know how to get by. But to get a hold of newness of life, to be able to get a hold of a new level in life, man, you gotta let go. You've got to let go. And I just get this imagery of this beggar having money in his hand and him putting it down and grabbing Peter's hand. And he's immediately healed. He's, the Bible tells us he's instantly healed, strengthened, running, jumping, shouting, leaping, goes into the temple. I love that. Then right in the middle of his healing, he goes straight into um, the temple. And, uh, man, I just find that just powerful, so powerful. And I think it's kind of the fourth, kind of my last point, um, is that, um, you know, the true miracle, the true miracle that God wants to do in our lives, um, it is to not be in love with what he has, um, done for us, but be in love with him. So the true miracle God wants for us is, is that we are in love with the the miracle maker, not the miracle itself. So the, so the lame beggar gets his healing, goes straight into the temple. Doesn't go straight into doing whatever he wants to do. Goes straight into the temple um, with them. And praising God, the Bible tells us there in verse 9. Just, just absolutely just, um, everyone's astonished. He's astonished. Everyone's, I mean, this was just absolutely astounding what happens. And, um, but for you and I to be able to step into uh, a newness of life, we got to let go of some things. And so just a final thought to end this episode, Jacob was, um, so yeah, the, the three times of prayer was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were at the third time of prayer. Jacob, you know, Jacob apparently was kind of named after instituting that time of prayer in the day. We, and we know the story from Jacob back in the Old Testament. Um, he was known for wrestling with God until God got a hold of him and changed his name. And then from that, Jacob 
limped um, as a sign that um, he wrestled with God. Uh, And it's amazing to think about. And it's just a thought that comes to my mind. I wrote it down. One generation's limp is another generation's sprint. Jacob got a limp from his encounter with God. And that created a system of prayer through the generations that caused this man at Jacob's appointed time of prayer to get his sprint. Man, everything I I do in my life and in my lifetime is going to cause a limp in my existence. But that limp will inevitably cause the next generation to sprint. I hope this has been encouragement to you. Thank you for tuning in. And um, I got one more episode following this one. I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, another couple of fascinating stories in the book of Acts. And um, again, don't ever forget a good start envisions the end result.